Scarantino, and this is the Get the Fuck Off podcast. Every week, I'm going to be talking about a new topic to help you guys get the fuck off the shit that doesn't serve you anymore. But first, let me tell you a little bit about me. I used to work as a bartender, and I lived in the New York City bar scene. I smoked between a pack or two a day, and I was what you'd call quite overweight. I learned that the secret to adopting a healthy lifestyle is a series of mindset shifts. Unfortunately, they don't always come with an owner's manual, so I decided to start this podcast to give you guys the nuts and bolts without you having to do all the research on your own. Getting healthy does not mean you have to sacrifice your outstanding personality, and it actually can be quite a fun journey. I'm really excited to have you guys on that journey with me. Let's get off together. Everybody, welcome back to the Get the Fuck Off podcast for episode 99. 99, and I'm feeling fine. I got my Spotify wrapped this week, and I wanted to share some stats with you all. So I found out that on Spotify, I am a top 10 podcast for 107 fans. I'm a top five podcast for 67 fans. And I am the number one podcast for 19 fans. 19 of you listen to me more than any other podcast. And I just wanted to let you all know, I am so grateful. My gratitude for you is so deep. Thank you so much. I started this podcast as a labor of love. And uh, I never... I never ran ads. I never had sponsorships. The The goal of starting this podcast was to be here, connect with you, maybe teach you a little bit of little something and uh, just just put my voice out into the world. And I did not do any strategy, like weird strategies to try to grow the audience. It grew really nice and organically. Like, yeah, sure, I posted on my Instagram and Facebook and things like that. But my audience has really grown organically um, through the people that listen and the people who share. I saw a 97% increase in followers on Spotify this year. Thank you all. It's so nice to have you. I was in the top 15% shared, most shared globally, heard in 20 countries. And I created, before this, 1,247 minutes of new content. And I'm pretty proud of that. That's really awesome. And I owe all of it to everybody that shows up and listens every week. Thank you for being here. It used to, in the very beginning, two years ago, it was me and like four people. And actually, one of those people was uh, Russell Barlow. He was a guest on this podcast. You can go back and listen to his episode. It was great. But he and I were talking about it. Uh, just recently, he said, yeah, it was me and a couple of people that used to work with us. And um, I am so grateful for him. Um, Russell, I'm giving you a shout out. And uh, my friend Josh, loyal listener of the Get the Fuck Off podcast. And, you know, a couple of other friends. I'm sure I don't know. Uh, Kaylee is another one. Kaylee, hello. Thank you for listening every week. Just personal shout outs to people that are dear friends of mine that have been here since the beginning. And then it just grew like we just grew and people are are here and this is such an awesome thing and I'm just so happy to have you all here and uh thank you for for being here and loyal and listening for you know however long you've been here I appreciate you being here every week so that's just how I wanted to start today I wanted to talk in this episode about dry January and beyond because we are approaching the end of the year and uh the end of the year is coming. 
the end of the year is coming and people start thinking about dry January. And I just wanted to let you know that I'm here to support you in all of your dry January goals. And the way I am doing that this year is a little bit different. I'm doing something that I've never done before. And I'm doing something called Sober Series. And Sober Series, there's going to be a link in the episode notes. It's going to be on a platform called All Takes. And I wanted to talk to you about the things that I'm going to kind of discuss in the Sober Series. The Sober Series is going to be much more in depth. So each segment of the sober series is an hour and a half so we're going to do an hour and a half on December 7th an hour and a half on December 14th and an hour and a half on December 21st that's why this podcast is coming out a little bit early because I wanted to make sure that you guys knew about the sober series before the actual date so by by Monday it would already be December what day is it today's two Friday the second Saturday the third Sunday yeah the fifth that would be not be enough time So I'm putting this out early because I would love for all of you to have a chance to register for the Sober Series. So let's talk just briefly about the things that we're going to talk about in the Sober Series. And I'm going to go into a little bit of it in this podcast and just kind of give you some of the the stuff. And then in the Sober Series, we're really going to cover it in depth. So... The first class of the Sober Series, and by the way, I think most of you know that I'm a mindset and transformational coach. This is not coaching. This is a class. Um, I am a coach, so if I have an opportunity and if I have permission, I could coach. But this is very much a class. This is very much an informational series. It's not something that you're going to have to go and tear open your childhood trauma in front of a room full of people. Although you would benefit greatly by doing that. And I'll tell you at the end of the <laughs> the end of the episode ways that we could do that together. But this is very much a class. So the first um class of the sober series is called navigating the social pressures to drink and I am just going to tear that open this could be I don't know if you've been listening to the podcast for a while I've definitely discussed some of these concepts on the podcast I'm going to discuss them in depth in the sober series because the social pressure to drink is created in your mind and the idea of what other people are going to think about you when you're not drinking is also created in your mind and even if people say things to you that seem like they're directly related to you like if a human being is criticizing you for not drinking or trying to coax you into drinking they're actually not thinking about you at all and all of it has everything to do with them so I'm going to go into that in depth in the sober series the second class is going to be on December 14th and that's going to be and by the way the replays of all of these are going to be uh, made available the second class is going to be who will I be when I don't drink on drinking identity so I'll just tell you about my drinking identity and uh, I'll tell you what I felt about that so I had this idea in my mind that I was this uh, rebellious creature in society and I was a beat. Like I read a lot of William S. Burroughs and there was so much that I took pleasure in about my existence and about what I was and hanging off a bar stool at four o'clock in the morning kind of grubbing through midtown Manhattan and you know, there's something about the grittiness. And I romanticized the grittiness of Midtown Manhattan, 4.30 in the morning, standing outside of closed bars, smoking cigarettes, talking to people while the rats nod at the garbage in bags nearby. 
I had this idea in my mind that I was somehow elevated over every other human in society because I was still crawling the streets at an hour where people were like, you know, they were, they were either in bed asleep or going to be up in a short period of time. Like I had this, you know, I had these, I read Howl by Allen Ginsberg, like my first week in New York. My friend Jim always gives me this, um, he always gives, he always brings this up because I told him that it was like my second week here. Um, it was in September. It was in early September and I had, and I was living on St. Mark's Place between second and third at the time. I no longer live there. I lived in an SRO on that block for a year and a half until they turned it into an illegal hostel without telling us on May 1st, 2010. And then I moved. And I remember that because that was the day that there was a car bomb in Times Square where I worked that started smoking but didn't fully detonate and the police locked us in the building all night. Uh, not all night until like 11 o'clock or 11 30 or something like that we we weren't allowed anyone out or anyone in because there was a bomb like a block away and so I woke up in this illegal hostel like my apartment building all of a sudden was an illegal hostel with people from god knows where trying to check in and we had shared bathrooms in the hallway so it was really off-putting because I was like so if I'm gonna go to the bathroom and use it there's just gonna be random people that you know like here like what the fuck uh so that happened in the morning and then we had the bomb at night and it was just a it was just a, a shit show so anyway but my first year and a half I lived in that building that was a hell of a place there was some really interesting characters uh one of the women that the woman that lived next to me I've actually kept in touch with her through all the years she's great and uh she told me the stories about the 90s because she had lived there since the 90s and uh, there were people that were living there that just had really unconventional lives. Like there was this musician who lived on the fourth, uh, sorry, fifth floor, and he played guitar in the sub in the Astor Place subway station and sang. Actually, that's a lie. He didn't play guitar. He just sang. Uh, his name was Francois and I used to see him like kind of wearing like crushed velvet clothes and he was always kind of walking up and down St. Mark's Place and then one day I didn't see him anymore and I just assume he died but he might have moved away and then there was this other lady that sold books on the street and then there was this like really old dude who couldn't walk it like there was just all these characters there was the, the super was you know I had heard stories of his heyday in the 90s like there's just all this going on like this is the, this is the life that I came to New York to lead right like I created it in my mind that I was going to come to New York and I was going to be a beat and I was going to live like a beat and I was going to and I was paying a lot of money like these people are paying like $300 a month to live in this this SRO and I'm paying a thousand to be like I'm a beat like you man like that that's me. And like the second week, I walked down to Tompkins Square Park, which was, I lived between second and third. So this was, you know, between Avenue A and Avenue B. And there were these people and they were dressed kind of like, uh, you know, like dirty hippies. And I was looking at them and I was like, I think these are my people. Because I always had like this sick fascination with the 1960s, which is why I chose to live on St. Mark's in the first place. And they read out loud and performed Howl by Allen Ginsberg. And, you know, I've seen the best minds of my generation destroyed by madness. And, like, just the, 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 the grittiness of it all. And, like, the grittiness of the, the people. And just the ideas of, like, this late night kind of, like, drug and alcohol-induced psychosis of these brilliant, and they all were, like, the Beats were all brilliant. They were all Ivy Leaguers, you know, like, most of them, and they were really smart, and they all were from, like, well-off families, and they were just, you know, heroin addicts. And, like, I'm not a, you know, I wasn't a heroin addict, but I was a drunk. And 
they just were living this very raw, gritty, unconventional life. And I saw myself as those people. Like that's what I saw myself as. And when I was working in the restaurant and, you know, living that late night lifestyle, I wanted to be out until four or five o'clock in the morning. And I wanted, there were, my first year in New York, I went to this bar where we would, they would lock the doors and we would just stay in there until seven or eight o'clock in the morning. I mean, people were doing cocaine in the bathroom. You know, I was never really into drugs, but a lot of people were into drugs. And I just remember the way that it looked and the way it smelled. And like all of a sudden people would start smoking cigarettes and it was just dark and they would cover the windows. And it was like, we would just be spending all this money and, and just, just hammered and just with people that like, I don't even know who these people were. Like just, and then I would, I remember like, just stumbling out and my eyes would see the the daylight and I was like I'm one of those beats that lives in New York City I'm one of those beats that lives in New York City and I'm a badass and nobody can fuck with me and I'm a fucking badass and go fuck yourself and that was me I was like and I'm fucking brilliant and I'm fucking gonna scrape the asshole of the nighttime. I'm gonna fucking light a cigarette and put it out on your face course I never did anything like that but you know I had this I had this tough like persona and I'd come in to work the next day roll out of bed like two o'clock right and then then going into work the next day and just repeating and I developed this identity and even when I was starting to let that go because it wasn't just that you know like there was a lot to it like I was snobby about my beer and I was snobby about my wine and I like to eat my my fancy food and I like to do all of these you know uppity things because I was resentful of my parents for making me eat meat and potatoes and never making a flavorful food in their lives and you know I just thought I well I I gotta go and eat everything and drink everything and fuck everything and and I gotta go and feel things and you know I became a receptacle for feeling things and in reality, what I was doing was I was trying not to feel anything at all. In fact, I don't have it. I have very few memories of those years. And I don't remember feeling much in those years. I remember feeling resentment. I remember feeling lust. And I also remember feeling love. But love was not, love was more transactional, attached love. It wasn't really the the pure, open-hearted love. It was like this transactional neediness that I remember feeling and I had developed this identity like I wanted to eat everything drink everything you know all of that and uh the thing is with New York there's always more to eat and more to drink so there's always a new restaurant opening and a new restaurant closing and a new cocktail and I remember I remember 2009 when picklebacks became trendy and the first time I ever heard of a pickleback was at the Ace Hotel Um, I was going to see a friend of mine off before she drove across the country and the Ace Hotel was filled with these trendy fuckers we called them hipsters back then we don't call them that anymore and uh, I was irritated with them because they had no etiquette and the bartender said would you like to do a shot and I said, yeah, I'll have a whiskey. And he goes, would you like pickle juice? And I was like, you're fucking with me, right? Like, you think I'm an asshole? 
And he's like, no, 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 this is something people do. And my friend walked up and said, what's going on? And I said, this bartender's trying to offer me some pickle juice. And she goes, whiskey pickle juice? Yeah, that's a thing. I was like, what are you talking about? And I just remember seeing like every trend. Like 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 last year when I was working in the bar, like people were drinking Aperol spritzes. Like no one knew what those were 10 years ago. Like old fashions. No one drank that 10 years ago. Like I just remember seeing all the different trends of liquor. See, that's the thing about New York. There's always more to eat and drink. There's always more funny ass food for you to try. And there's always a new cocktail for you to drink. And there's always more consumption. There's always more shit for you to spend your money on and consume so you feel like you're doing something. But ultimately, you're just wasting your money and you're not doing anything. And it took me such a long time to realize that all these experiences that I was spending my money on with all these friends that I had weren't giving me anything. None of us remembered it the next day. None of us had anything to show for it. All we had to do was work more hours to sustain it. And when we worked more hours, we would work hours where we were waiting on people who were nasty to us. And uh, that would make us not like ourselves. And so we'd want to medicate more. And it was just a vicious cycle. And it just got to be to a point where I wasn't enjoying it anymore. And I didn't want to be a beat anymore. And I didn't want to be out all night anymore. And I didn't find any joy in that. I never did. And what I found joy in was running. And I was like, you know, I really I really don't want to drink anymore. But because so much of my life had been revolved around the bar scene and spending time with my friends in bars and all that, I was like, well, who the fuck am I going to be? Because everything that I did and everything that I do and everything that I enjoy is this. And I really had no idea like what I enjoyed that wasn't that. Because I, I was addicted to consumption. I was like I just need to consume and consume and consume and consume. And I just I need to, to put on the show that I am this thing. And all that was happening was my health was going to hell. And I just couldn't. Yeah I couldn't stop it. So um, I did stop it. I did. I, I did finally uh, un- begin to understand who I was going to be when I gave that up. And so in the Sober series, I'm going to give all of you the tools to be able to figure out who you will be and also give you the permission and authorization to not know because you might not know right away. Like you might, you might not. And then finally on the 21st, we're going to talk about actually what happens when you're putting it down. And we're going to talk about hard strategies to put it down and ways you can hack your mind and ways that you can uh, motivate yourself. Motivation is not inherent. Action causes motivation. Motivation does not cause action. And we're going to do this in a, in a room on All Takes. So All Takes is... It has a really cool round table layout and you guys can have your cameras on or your cameras off. If you have your cameras off, I will assume that you are not there and I won't call on you. Because there's nothing I fucking hate more than when somebody goes to a webinar just because they want to just sit in the webinar and listen. And then someone has to go, hey Andy, are you there? Do you want to share? Like, no, bitch, I don't want to share. If I wanted to share, I'd have my motherfucking camera on. So no, I'm not going to make you share if your camera is off. I'm going to assume that you are absent. Um, But if you choose to have your camera off, you can write in the chat and you'll be able to ask questions and you'll just be able to be there with my good energy and, you know, because there's something that I've really noticed and I want to just, you know, I put out 99, this is now 99 episodes of the Get the Fuck Off podcast. And I assume 
and this is just uh, this is something that I've had to learn this year. I assume that if I've said something once, it is received, it is absorbed, and that is it. Like I say it, someone receives it, and then that is it. And what I've learned from working with clients and uh, from starting my group day one over the last two years is that's actually not how it works. People need to hear things 16,000 times. And sometimes just listening to a podcast while you're at the gym or while you're doing the dishes is just not enough sometimes to have something be absorbed. So this is going to be an experience where you're going to get to see me, look at me, look at my slides, download my PDFs, um, have appropriate audio files, uh, appropriate relevant things that are labeled, maybe chat with other people. And uh, you're going to get to do that. And that's something that I'm really excited to bring to you. It's very much informational. I go through a little bit of a, of a, I don't want to say it's an upset, but it's kind of a, an inconvenience. It's like kind of pulls at me a little bit because the truth is, and I'm just going to tell this to you guys, and this is just what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to say it once and maybe I'll say it again. I don't know. Information does not equal transformation, but information is necessary for transformation. So for example, if you want to lose a bunch of weight, losing a bunch of weight is not about a strategy. Like it's not about a weight loss strategy because you can use any weight loss strategy the same as you can use like any business strategy to make money. But if you have uh, limiting beliefs or if you have a subconscious program that does not align with what you want to do, you're, what happens is 90 to 95% of our brain is subconscious. Then we've got the 5% of our brain that is our conscious mind. And the wall in between those two is called critical factor. Now, if you have a subconscious belief like I'll use an example. Let's say that you want to start a business and you want to show up in the world. And I, if I talked about this in the last episode, I apologize. Actually, I think I did. But I'm going to talk about it again because not all of you listened to the last episode. If you have a subconscious belief that you shouldn't take up space in the world and then you buy a bunch of business classes that tell you what to do to grow your business, what's going to happen is those things to do are going to hit critical factor Come up against the wall of the subconscious mind that says you're not supposed to take up space in the world. And all of a sudden you will refuse to do it. Just like if you have a subconscious belief that you don't want people to pay attention to your body because you're, uh, you're overweight now but you don't want to be overweight anymore and you think that the attention is negative that you're going to get if you lose weight, which by the way, you will get attention and by the way, people are going to forget right damn quick. No one is going to give enough of a fuck about you to pay attention to you for more than maybe a month or two because I went through that whole attention shit. Oh my God, you look great. They, they're not even thinking about you, by the way. They're not thinking about you. They don't even care about you. They're thinking about themselves. They're thinking about themselves and they're giving you compliments because they want you to give them the secrets and there is no secrets. The secret is work through your subconscious shit. But anyway, no one cares. But I'm going to tell you that if you have this subconscious belief like, oh, the attention's bad. I shouldn't have attention. You go to eat right. It doesn't matter how many cute little stupid Instagram breakfasts you see on people's stories. You're not going to do it. Like you're not going to do it. You are going to refuse because critical factor is powerful, right? It's so powerful. So having all of that said, this is exactly why information does not facilitate transformation because information will, you will get the information, you will go to apply the information, you will hit critical factor, and then you won't do the thing that the the information told you to do. So this is why I will say that if you're interested in transformation, you should reach out to me privately and we'll talk about those things. 
However, you do need to start with information. So the Sober series will be loaded with information. It will be information dense. It's going to be something that's going to teach you because you do need to know the information. You're going to need to do the transformation part to be able to apply the information, but you do need to do know the information. You know, the thing about me is that I will always find a way to work in tools that will start you on the path of transformation. You know, I had a relatively easy time with sobriety, and I tell people all the time it's because I didn't approach it the traditional way. The first thing is I didn't go to the American anonymous group model meetings because I didn't need any motherfucker. And, you know, if this works for you, by the way, then it works for you. But I didn't need any motherfucker telling me that I didn't have power. I am the most powerful human being in existence. I don't need anybody telling me that I'm not a powerful person. Like, you can go fuck yourself. The only thing that I like about that model is that there's community. So some people need to go and be in community. I don't need that. I I can go online. Like, I went on Reddit. I found community there. Like, I can go out and create my own community. I don't need someone to give it to me. So I do like the community aspect of that. But I don't like the way that they deliver their message. And I don't like the way that they don't have people tapping into their human power like power is so important and to tell people that they don't have power or to say like you know you have you know to to function off a disease model kind of thing when that's not true either we'll talk about that in the sober series it just didn't work out for me the reason I had an easy time with sobriety is because concurrent to getting sober which by the way happened in January and it wasn't because of dry January it was because I got sober the day after Christmas so Christmas day a Christmas 2019 was the last time I drank. Woke up day after Christmas 2019 said that's it no more and I haven't had a drink since Christmas 2019. But uh, I I wasn't doing dry January but you know somebody that I know um, was, was being sober for the first you know couple of weeks of the year we were doing the whole life challenge and uh, that helped a little because there was like somebody I knew that was also not drinking at the time and uh when I met with Andy and he gave me the book loyalty to your soul and I realized that unresolved issues were really the cause of a lot of this shit I understood that my drinking was not a problem it was the symptom of a problem which I have said 600 times but Please come to the Sober Series if this is still not clear because we are going to go into it in great depth. So in the third part of the Sober Series, we're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk about what that means. We're going to talk about putting it down. We're going to talk about how things look. We'll talk about expectations. A lot of people will say to me things like, oh, well, you know, I should feel better by now. And I'm like, "Uh, no, probably not, you know, but you will, but probably not. So I'll just kind of talk about timelines of things and and just kind of what it looks like so we're going to do a three-part series it is on all takes all takes is a great platform there is a really cool look and feel it is 49 dollars. just to break that down that is 16.33 a session which is about the price of one new york city cocktail that's not that much it's actually a bargain for what i'm charging for it so definitely like if you're a drinker I know it's really hard like my first whole life challenge was $49 and I had trouble spending that money because I was like wait a minute like why would I spend money on something and then that thing ended up you know changing my life like it ended up radically changing my life that $49 that I spent on it and uh because I I learned to think a new way and I learned to um be in con and I was in contact with people that were different 
But before, I would freely spend like seventy to eighty dollars on a bar tab. I'd be like, oh yeah, I could spend seventy to eighty dollars. Oh, forty nine bucks for the whole life challenge. That's a lot of money. Who would ever pay that? Why would you pay to do things like that? Why would you pay to do something just that you could just do on your own? It's like, well, bitch, you're not gonna do it on your own. So that's why you pay, um, and that's why I paid. And um, that's the that's that's really the science. So it's about the price of a cocktail a week, and uh, I want y'all to be there. This is the Get the Fuck Off podcast. A lot of you guys uh, are here because you don't want to drink, and uh, some of you are here and don't drink anymore. I receive email all the time from people that say the Get the Fuck Off podcast has helped them stop drinking. So if you are a listener of the Get the Fuck Off podcast and want to stop drinking and you're still drinking, definitely come to the Sober Series. Uh, it is on all takes and the recordings will be made available to you. They will all be in there. There will be an ongoing chat. Also, the all takes um, community is awesome in that there's the round table. You can kind of just jump in and be in there at any time. So if you guys want to support each other, you can. If you want to chat with each other, you can. So uh, I really hope to I hope to see you there. I hope that, that that's something that you can make happen. It's December 7th is our first one, but there's not a deadline to register because you can jump in after the first one and you can start uh, seeing the, the rest of the series. Sober Series, getting ready for dry January and beyond. If you're thinking about doing a dry January, this is the one thing that is going to set you up for the most success in dry January. I would... I, I will give all the dry January tips, all the do's, all the don'ts, all the stuff that you are going to need because I started. I started in January, so I know how it feels, man. I understand, and uh, it's, it's, a good, it's a good thing. So please uh, send me a, a message, if you, like email Andy, A-N-D-E-E, at getthefuckoff.com if you have any questions about the Sober Series, but it's pretty cut and dry. You can just register on all takes, and then when you do, you'll be able to see, you'll be able to contact me directly. There's going to be a chat there available, and uh, we'll, we'll be starting on December 7th. It's going to be 7 p.m. for all of the the uh, classes, and they're all going to be recorded and made available for you, so. I'm really excited. This is amazing information. It's amazing information. I can't wait to share it with you all. Episode 99, thank you for being here. Again, like I said in the beginning of the episode, I wouldn't be here without you guys. I wouldn't be here without your support, without your love. If you would like to support the Get the Fuck Off podcast financially, um, I I will openly receive that 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 would help me tremendously uh get the fuck off.com slash podcast there is a tip jar available my group day one is closing on december 7th as well this is not this is the deeper work so like day one is a little bit deeper than you know like what i what i was just talking about for the past half hour is informational day one is more than informational day one is transformational it is a really powerful container where people make change. It is open only to women as of now, and we close on December 7th. Definitely shoot me an email if you have any questions about that. And I'm also taking applications for one-on-one clients for the new year. I have um, changed the requirements that uh, exist currently to work with me. It's really important that... uh, you know, that I do that from time to time because I think when I first started coaching, I just, I would just work with anybody. I was like, yeah, I want to work with everybody. But now there are specific, uh, 
specific people that I that I want to work with and um, there's an application on my website and that's there for a reason I would love for you to fill it out we can get on a call together and see if it's right for you I am right now I still offer a bi-weekly option which I find to be not really useful and that's going to be going away at the end of the year so at the end of December of this year I am nixing that for everybody except day one members and a couple of other things are changing as well so if you're curious about what any of that looks like shoot me an email and I'm really excited I hope that I see a bunch of you on December 7th again no pressure you don't have to have your camera on if your camera is off I am not going to be calling on you like some ridiculous rude elementary school teacher like it's okay for you to just come and absorb the information and not make your face you know known or seen or whatever like I'm not expecting that I want to genuinely help you guys and I understand that a small monetary investment really does help and uh you know 49 bucks that's pretty cheap pretty cheap for the sober series this is going to be um four and a half hours of class and all of the subsequent materials and the support the chat the round table open all the time and, and we'll have our own little community there we might even keep in touch after in a Facebook group if that seems to be something that benefits you but we could also just leave the studio open because the all takes community is really cool there's a there's a studio and I can actually close the studio to new registrants but then we can just have that there as like a chat and as a place where we can connect and and we can talk about things happening in the future so Thank you all for coming and being here today, for supporting me, for supporting the podcast. I think that you're all just fucking amazing. You have been loyal. You have been beautiful. You have supported me. I wouldn't do this without you. And I am so glad that you all get as much value out of the Get the Fuck Off podcast as you do. It really it touches my heart to know that people are listening and uh, and really appreciate it. It, it. I appreciate it. So I hope you guys have a beautiful week. I will see you on December 7th. Email me if you have any questions. As always, take care of yourselves, stay safe, and stay beautiful.